I'm Ronnie Minnick with Ronnie Minnick Farms in Hondo, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us once again for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas Congressman Jody Arrington is joining 65 other members of the House and Senate in calling for changes to the latest round of farm disaster aid. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With farmers having to work hard these days to make everything pencil out, a Texas A&M economist says it's time to be extra careful with risk management decisions. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, you'll hear what Dr. Joe Outlaw has to say. USDA's conservation programs continue to be successful in Texas, including climate-smart agriculture practices. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from the head of the NRCS straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. A very successful meeting to celebrate 90 years of Texas Farm Bureau is wrapped up in Frisco. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I'll hear what people were talking about in my report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas Congressman Jody Arrington, who chairs the House Budget Committee, along with 65 members of the United States House and Senate, have sent a letter to Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, expressing their concerns about changes to the emergency relief program payments for losses incurred in 2022. Arrington says this round of the disaster program discriminates against farmers based on their race or gender. He says it gives higher disaster payments to producers based on the color of their skin or their biological sex, rather than targeting farmers with the greatest need. Laramie Adams, Associate Director of Government Affairs for the Texas Farm Bureau, says this current version of the program picks winners and losers. You may have, in some instances, a... uh, a farmer who is a full-time, a full-time farmer, farming on one tract of land, and then their neighbor is is farming the other. They're obviously probably similar in, as as far as their crops go and that type of thing of what they're what they're growing. Same in, same kind of input costs and all that good stuff. Uh, and obviously they're going to be impacted by the same disaster. One farmer may almost uh, will we'll get you know almost 95 percent of the return on, on that while their neighbor if they don't qualify as uh, what what USDA is term, termed underserved they may get only a fraction of that. 
Several Texas farm groups are opposing the new disaster program rules, including the Texas Farm Bureau, the Southwest Council of Agribusiness, Plains Cotton Growers, and National Cotton Council President Sean Holliday, who grows cotton in the La Mesa area. Forage supplies are low all across Texas, and that could cause a lot of headaches in the coming months as winter sets in. John Paul Deneen is a farmer and cattle producer in Ellis County, south of Dallas, and he says there is very little hay available there. Uh, it's pretty poor, so there was zero carryover hay from last year because of the drought in 21. We didn't produce anything of much uh, to speak of in 22. Lots of corn shucks bailed up, lots of wheat straw bailed up. So everything is just a roughage. Everybody's having to supplement. So it's uh, been a struggle to keep those cattle in good shape, productive shape, and it's going to continue through the winter. We hope that maybe we don't have a lot of cold weather and stuff so it doesn't draw them down too too bad, but uh, it's really going to be next spring you know, before we get anything gained back on them, I think. Deneen says there's also a water problem heading into winter, with stock tanks still very low because of the summer drought. A Texas A&M economist says farmers should be extra careful with risk management decisions. James Hunt has that story from Amarillo. As Texas High Plains farmers know all too well, we're in a time when making a profit off your crops is pretty challenging. With that in mind, Texas A&M economist Joe Outlaw has some words of advice on risk management. Producers, especially row crop producers, need to really start thinking about maximizing the protection they're going to get either through crop insurance or through the Title I and ARC PLC. There is reason to say that a producer, and, and most of my career I would have never said this, there are reasons why especially in a crop like cotton, for example, where it makes perfect sense for a producer to drop out of Title I coverage and just go with stacks, which is by law, they can't have both, depending on where the prices are. So as an extension economist, we've got to be really good on working with our marketing folks to make sure we can fine tune those forecasts because we're going to have to start being more proactive and looking at on this individual year, I need to do this with respect to the safety net provided by the government. We've never had to do that before. And what has changed? Well, again, it's input prices rose and kind of made some of the Title I stuff less effective at covering problems. And because of that, we got a situation where we need to really use sharp pencils to do the math on where am I going to get the most protection from the government for this particular year, not forever, but for this year. And we never had to do that before. Once again, that was Texas A&M economist Joe Outlaw. My conversation with Dr. Outlaw took place at the recent Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA's conservation programs continue to be successful in Texas. Tom Nicoletti visits with the head of the Natural Resources Conservation Service. My guest today is Terry Cosby. He is chief of uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Conservation Service based in Washington. Caught up with him recently to talk about some of USDA's conservation programs uh, such as Climate Smart Agriculture. Uh, Terry, uh, how is the 
NRCS uh, working in that department. And it's been a great year. We just finished 23 fiscal year with about $2.8 billion available for farmers and ranchers for conservation. And we just started off the new year, which is not the calendar year, but the fiscal year, with about $5 billion available. And some of that is in climate smart agriculture. We talk about soil health. We talk about a lot of different things, but we have a lot of different sources available for farmers and ranchers that want to do conservation on their farm. In Texas, a lot of farmers and ranchers do practice conservation uh, techniques uh, to advance their operation. We've had a lot of success in Texas. You know, we have a very good state conservationist down there, and we just met in Minneapolis to talk about all the great work going on across the country, and we have a very efficient operation in Texas. We have a lot of producers that are reaching out to us and wanting to be a part of these programs, and Texas is one of our largest operations as far as staffing and dollars that's being invested and dollars that are put on the ground because of conservation. We're right now in the middle of sign up. We really want producers to come in. We know harvest is, is late, a little slow because of some of the other reasoning. We're going through drought, but the staff is available and ready, and we have this financial assistance that's available to farmers. We want to come out, walk the land with you, write a conservation plan, and talk about your resources, and then how can we help you with that resource need. That is Terry Cosby. He is the chief of the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas Farm Bureau celebrated its 90th anniversary recently in Frisco. Barry Mahler was on hand for the celebration. While attending a meeting like the recent Texas Farm Bureau 90th anniversary celebration, you not only have some good organized speeches and presentations, but also a chance to interact with producers from all over the state and a great opportunity to get a feel for our industry. A lot can be learned out in the halls between sessions. Topics I heard the most about from my neighbors far and near range from politics of the day, like the upcoming presidential election, as to who our new state director might be. And of course, the weather always comes into play because, let's face it, agriculture lives and dies on weather change. Many people I talk to are concerned, as I am, that we're 90 days away from a major primary election and seem to have no clue they'll be on the ballot on either side. Now, just think about the folks from other states who have primaries earlier than Texas. I don't recall being in this shape in my lifetime, and people are getting an uneasy feeling about the process at a time when we need a little more confidence in our government. The general consensus on weather seems to be we are thankful for the rain over the past couple of months, but we are far from being out of the drought. That's certainly the situation here on the Rolling Plains. Stock water is still very short and won't sustain us very long going into summertime next year. We can only only hope for maintenance through the winter months and some healing rains next spring. Water concerns go way past growing crops and livestock here in Texas as people are taking notice. Numbers from the Texas Water Development Board are concerning as our population continues to grow and water from lakes and ground supplies head lower rather than higher. Now this affects rural folks very much with 23 new surface storage lakes on the drawing board that consume hundreds of thousands of acres of productive land. That discussion will continue to heat up as time moves on. Of course, lower commodity prices for just about every category and input costs that are stabilizing, but, well, they're doing it at a very high mark, and that's on the minds of farmers and ranchers as everyone is trying to find a way to better manage the very squeeze that that puts on profits. All in all, meetings like the Texas Farm Bureau annual get-together bring a lot of information, but sometimes even more important than the details 
or just a little encouragement from friends, old and new, that happened out in the hallway. Reporting from the Rolling Plains of Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today. Black bears are out and about this time of year preparing for the winter. What does this mean for Texans? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a new drug is being studied to treat equine metabolic syndrome. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A new drug is being studied to treat equine metabolic syndrome. Dr. Bob Judd says EMS is the leading cause of laminitis in horses. The new class of medication is a sodium glucose co-transporter inhibitor and is abbreviated SGLT2I. Of course, before using any medication, you must get an accurate diagnosis and make sure your horse actually has EMS and your equine veterinarian has testing that can be performed to make this diagnosis. Dr. Stacy Oki indicates in the horse publication that the key is diagnosing the horses that have insulin dysregulation and have increased circulating levels of insulin in their blood, as insulin is believed to be a key factor in the cause of laminitis. Dr. Nicholas Frank from Tufts University indicates the best test for diagnosing insulin resistance is the oral sugar test that uses administration of clear Cairo light syrup and follow-up blood testing for insulin. The most important part of management of EMS is the diet and not drugs, as these horses cannot have lush pasture grass and grain in their diets. The SGLT2I drugs work by blocking resorption of glucose by the kidneys and lowering the amount of glucose in the blood, which decreases the amount of insulin released by the pancreas, and it makes the pancreas less sensitive to the effects of insulin. Dr. Johan Broher from Sweden indicates that his group has completed two randomized double-blind control trials with three of the different forms of the new drug. Results of preliminary studies are positive, but like all drugs, possible side effects can occur, so the drug should only be used when management is not effective at controlling the disease. The drug is very expensive in the United States, and it can cause an increased triglyceride level in the blood, which could cause some issues. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Black bears are out and about preparing for winter. Jessica Domo tells what this may mean for Texans. With winter approaching, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is urging those who live or work in the western, southwestern, and northeastern areas of the state to practice bear safety. Black bears are native to Texas, and this time of year they're preparing to den up for the winter. Guided by an excellent sense of smell, black bears' behavior is driven largely by appetite. TPWD says their natural instincts to forage for food become a problem for bears when they find easy meals from humans via garbage, pet food, 
or corn from a deer feeder. If a bear continually finds food near humans, it can become habituated, losing its fear of people and creating a potentially dangerous situation. If you live in one of the areas known to have a black bear population, consider bear-proof dumpsters. Keep trash in a secure location until the morning of trash pickup. Never feed or approach bears. Remove bird feeders when bears are active. And feed pets indoors when possible. Or put dog food out in portions that can be eaten in a single setting. If you're outdoors this time of year, TPWD recommends staying alert and staying together. Keep your dog leashed and double bag all food and trash when you're camping and hiking. And know what to do if you see a bear. A list of tips for different situations is available on bearwise.org. That is bearwise.org. Bears have been granted state protective status in Texas as a threatened species. It is against the law to hunt, harass, or kill them. If you see one, stay away from it and, again, do not feed it. Notify the police or sheriff's department dispatch to contact a TPWD biologist or a game warden if you see one. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex moved higher Friday following the release of the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report for December. The report included an unchanged production forecast for beef in 2023 and an increase in beef production for 2024. Analysts say those increases were already likely factored into the markets. December live cattle up $3.10 to $165.45. February live cattle up $3.20 to $165.72. April live cattle up $3.35 to $169.30. January feeder cattle up 502 to 215.30. March feeder cattle up 490 to 216.07. April feeder cattle up $4.77 to 219.20. Box beef was mixed. Choice fell $1.54 to 288. Select rose 8 cents to 258.91. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction, is in the alleyway there at the sale. He's describing the action from Thursday. Ken, how did it look? We had a really good sale today. Had just a hair over 2,500 and I think 20-something head of cattle. I thought of all, demand continued to be very, very strong. All the cattle that were able to go to wheat fields or even uh, guys that are buying grass for this spring uh, to go up in Kansas and on up into South Dakota and everything. A lot of activity on these lighter calves to go to those both locations. I thought overall the bigger cattle probably were a little more uneven on the market 
to the large swings we've had in the futures market in the last month or so. Uh, but getting those stocker steers overall, they were probably a fully eight to eighteen dollars higher. Out of group of steers, we five forty three at two seventy five, dollared out fourteen hundred ninety three dollars some change. Also had a really good draft of eleven steers, weighed six thirty four at two fifty three, little over sixteen hundred and six dollars on those. I thought the stocker heifers were probably three to twelve dollars higher, with two heifers weighed four sixty at two ninety. They brought thirteen hundred and thirty four dollars. I thought the feeder steers were probably steady to maybe four to five dollars lower. Feeder heifers were probably steady to three to four lower. Packer cows and bulls, I thought were all fully steady. Pairs and bred cows uh, definitely were higher and in very strong demand, Larry. So all we're a very good day today as a whole. Tell everybody how to contact you. bet. They can give us a call, Eric, code 325-372-5159. And neighbor, you can listen to Walk in the Pens each day on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That was Ken Jordan. And you've been listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs traded higher Friday afternoon after a generally neutral WASDE report. December lean hogs up 87 cents to 68.42. February lean hogs up $1.20 to 68.97. Block cheese fell 4.5 cents Friday to $1.58. Barrel cheese fell 3.5 cents to $1.55. Dryway was unchanged at 39.5 cents. December class 3 milk fell 8 cents to 1619 a hundredweight. January class 3 milk down 26 cents to 1633 a hundredweight. The cotton market traded lower on Friday due to an influx of producer selling and a somewhat bearish WASDE report. The global cotton forecast is for lower consumption and higher ending stocks. Consumption was reduced in this month's report by 1.6 million bales on a 1 million bale reduction in China. The global production forecast is down 450,000 bales due to reductions in U.S., Turkey, and Mexico. March cotton down 115 points to 81.44. May cotton down 103 points to 82.04. December corn down two and a half to 465 and three quarters. March corn down two and a half to 485 and a half. December hard red wheat down six and a half to 655 and three quarters. March hard red wheat down six and a half to 661. January natural gas down two cents to 256. February natural gas down three cents to 248. January crude oil up $1.93 to $71.27 a barrel. February crude oil up $1.88 to $71.47 a barrel. The Dow up 143 points to 36,261. The S&P 500 up 19 points to 4,605. And the NASDAQ up 67 points Friday to 14,407. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.